0: going on what is going on this is mike clark kill procrastination we have a wonderful guest today mr mike morowski i'm very excited for this interview i've been looking forward to it all week um he's here and we're going to talk about um, real estate transactions we're going to talk about ups and downs we're going to talk about um just redemption it's all going to be here so let's just jump right into it Uh, mr morowski you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Hey, Michael. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, I've been looking forward to uh, to this. I, I love the, the title of your show, Kill Procrastination, you know? Yes. That, uh, that's a killer for all of us, right? Um, put things off or we wait till the last minute, you know? But a little bit about me. I've uh, been in real estate for 30 years. I started out, I had a general contracting business actually and <clears throat> woke up one morning and just burnt out, didn't want to do it anymore. I was still banging nails and, you know, being an entrepreneur, Mike, you do everything, you know, all the marketing and sales and ordering of material and scheduling. And, um, I just, I, I, I was burnt out on it and, uh, took a sold my company at that time and took a year off. And during that year, uh, my wife and I, at the time, we, we house hacked a few houses and, um, Along the way, I met a real estate agent that was really successful and thought that real estate would be a great business to go into. Uh, so I uh, went to him and, and uh, asked him to uh, teach me some fundamentals, which he did, he, he actually made me a cassette tape, <clears throat> not to date myself or anything, but um, I, I listened to that tape over and over again and understood the fundamentals of building a, a real estate business. And I went in the real estate business, and my first eight months in the business as a sales agent, I sold 78 houses. Uh, went on to build a team, sell, sell, selling about 125 a year, and did that consecutively for about 12 years. And then in 2005, I decided to go in the apartment business, the multifamily business. And it wasn't like I just woke up one day and decided to go in that business. I had I had really watched the business over the years. I understood the basics of it. And really what I understood was the private equity piece, right? You raise private equity. You marry it with a great real estate deal. You stay in the middle. And as long as everything goes well, everybody makes money. So I uh, in 2005, I syndicated my first 11-unit apartment building. And um, from there, I, I went on and I bought 4,000 apartments. I I raised uh, 18 million dollars to do that and built a property management company managing about 7,500 units. I did that in 30 months. And um, uh, that, uh, um, that business uh, as we got into 2008 and the worst economic crisis uh, that the country's ever seen started to falter because we grew so fast. and didn't uh balance uh you know we had we were very unstable as a company too many assets we took on too many new employees you know so so when i say i made a couple of business mistakes along the way that was one of the first ones i made
0: wow can can we unpack a little bit of that if we go back to the um the 11 units i guess your first syndication correct can can you tell me what got you into syndication because i know that's a have to have an expertise with it and i heard you say sales and i I don't know if that goes hand in hand with syndication or not
1: yeah it doesn't go hand in hand i was i was a residential real estate agent and knew nothing about the apartment business i understood basic concept and basic principles about syndication and i you know i just took the leap you know and i think a lot of times you know go back to the title of your show procrastination I think a lot of times people um, over educate themselves and think they need more education without taking action. I just decided to take action. I went out. I found myself a 11 unit apartment building. I thought it was a great deal because the seller told me that I could move tenants out, rehab units, put new tenants in, raise the rents, do some exterior maintenance, make the building look better. Uh, give it a better curb appeal and a better interior feel. And I'd get a better clientele and a better tenant in there. And none of that happened. um, I, um, I didn't do my research. Right. So again, when we look at at challenges and things we do along the way, I didn't know enough about the business, but here's what I learned. And, And let me tell you how we did that first deal. So I didn't know. I, I put the building under contract and said, okay, now I have to go raise money. How am I going to raise money? I put a, a little classified ad for $45 in the newspaper at the time. And uh, I, all that ad said was real estate investors wanted. And my phone rang off the hook for the next um, next seven days from that $45 ad. And over seven months, I raised about $600,000 in private equity to do some real estate deals. So it it was interesting at that time, how, how you could do the business. And now I wasn't advertising to raise money. I was just advertising for real estate investors. And people called, I told them what we were doing and how we were buying apartments and syndicating them. Talked about the types of returns that they could get. People got excited about it. So that's how I put that first deal together. But, but here's what I learned about that deal was um, it, everything the seller told me didn't come true. Everything the seller told me was wrong. So I called my broker at the time and I said, hey, Ryan, we need to come up with a buying strategy. And I don't know where, where I got that idea, but I needed to sit down and design what I wanted to buy. Kind of like the, the word avatar today, you know? everybody talks about having an avatar. Well, that's what I did with the type of apartment buildings I wanted to buy. And I use that same avatar today on, you know, how many units I want my unit mix, where I want the property to be, you know, the type of property I want it to be the class of property. I want it to be all those things I built. And then the next deal I went and did kind of fell into that avatar. And I wound up buying 64 units the next time on my next purchase. But what I, you know, I had learned that I didn't know enough and that I needed to build that buying strategy. And then I needed to build from there a plan on how I was going to grow the business, which which I really started to do and then just kind of developed from there.
0: Wow. Wow. No, that I, I totally get that point. Now, I don't know what year this was when you when you did the 11 unit, but just keep in mind what you said. you believe that can still be applied to to today? To yeah. today, because I know today is like more of a buyer's market. Well, seller's market. I mean, can you still apply those? Apply that today?
1: Yeah, I think the fundamentals are the same, Michael. I think we just do business differently. Like there's no newspaper to put an ad in the paper for real estate investors. But we use social media today to find, you know, real estate investors. We do webinars today to attract real estate investors and build a database. Uh, We pull lists and email market to those lists. So the fundamentals are still the same. We still wanna attract people to the business in order to grow that business and to build our database of passive investors as well as active investors to work with uh, as partners, right? The other thing that I learned that I didn't know was how to underwrite deals, right? I didn't understand how you look at the fundamentals on rent growth and and calculations around capital x and you know capital improvements or operational improvements and those are things that that i learned by talking to enough other people in the business to to get enough knowledge to go and execute myself
0: wow yeah i'm that's that's where i'm at with my journey uh same Kind of story with your 11 unit. I actually got a five unit apartment building. I'm doing that exact thing. I was promised so many different things when I bought this property, and I'm, I'm running into all those same issues. You know, I didn't think it was anything wrong with the property. Within 48 hours, I had a gas leak. I had to, you know, rectify that issue. Uh, you know, I, I thought I was going to have a phase one plan of renovating it, and it just, it just got real overwhelming real quick. But yeah. like I said, learning up those processes and, and taking the lessons from it, it's like i know what to do to finish this out and then to move on to the next the actual next project right. that's what i'm trying to do as well, as well as syndications so talking about your first deal um with that being said it was there was a piece in there that i guess in today's economy where, where people want to get into real estate so bad and so fast that they not overanalyze the situation that they don't get going, but they just want to do it so fastly they might skip something. And I know one big thing you you harp on, you preach on is ethics. Could you could you break that down and what that means to you?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a simple saying, right? Um, ethics is doing the right thing when nobody's watching. You know, it's it's making sure that you are um, being true. You know, living a life of integrity and being true to not just yourself but to everybody around you. You know, ethics boils down to being honest and um making sure that you are you know, I always say that when you put a deal together, make sure it's win-win. Don't walk away from a deal feeling like you got the upper hand or that you lost. It has to be uh a, a deal where both parties feel happy about the transaction. And, and I think that comes down to an ethical basis, right? I don't want to take anybody for granted and I don't want to do anything that is going to hamper somebody else's future.
0: I understand. So Mike, so you went from the 11 unit all to 4,000 units. You have all these employees. And then, you know, there was a transition period in your life. Can you go into that and and talk briefly about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, so over 30 months, I scaled the business pretty big. We, we scaled a company that was about a hundred million dollars in, in value that between the apartments we owned and the property management company. We had the revenue that we generated as a result of that, uh, grew very fast. And I always tell people, I say, don't grow too fast. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And if I had it to do all over again, I would have stepped back and stabilized those properties before I went and bought the next one. You know, I own one right now that we're, we're stabilizing it before we go buy the next one. You know, part of it uh, is just the fact that you don't want to make any mistakes along the way. Um, that stabilization causes balance in your business and in your life. Uh, the other thing I did, uh, Michael, was I was very uh, I was undercapitalized. I didn't raise enough money. So uh, um, I didn't have enough money for operations. So we had to move money around to do that. And then I was over leveraged. I owned $60 million worth of real estate, at, leveraged at 85%. And I always tell people, I say, I don't know who was worse, me for taking the money or the banks for giving it to me, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was it was silly. I don't think anybody should buy a deal today unless they're 65 to 75% loan to value on that deal, whether it's residential or whether it's commercial. But we scaled that business over 30 months, grew very rapidly. 2008 came around. It was the worst economic crisis the country's ever seen. And it was like hitting a brick wall in a freight train at 200 miles an hour. Uh, it started to unravel and come off of the tracks. And, and I didn't know how extensive the residential crash was going to affect the, the, com- the commercial market. But I thought, you know, hey, this is a recession. It's going to last 17 or 18 months. Uh, there'll be a 10 or 12 percent correction in the marketplace. And it will be back to normal. So I had some properties that I should have just let go to foreclosure. I had 38 different companies, right? Um, I I had some properties. I should have just let them go to foreclosure and let some of those investors get hurt. But Michael, I'm the kind of guy I don't like anybody to get hurt. I didn't want to affect anybody negatively like that. So what I, I met with my attorney and my accountant and devised a plan to move money back and forth between companies. So I would take money from profitable companies and move move it to non-profitable companies thinking, hey, just a few months of this, we'll be able to put the money back as soon as the market comes back, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that didn't happen. I mean, that recession went on for seven or eight years with a 40% correction. Um, I moved money back and forth. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that I didn't uh, disclose it to my investors. So you go back to ethics, right? I didn't tell my investors what I was doing. I thought that I could, you know, save the boat, you know, upright the ship. And then after the smoke cleared, I could go back and tell them, hey, I'm a hero now, right? Because I fixed it. Well, what happened was for non-disclosure, I wound up being charged on federal wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison as a result of it.
0: But before we go um, further into that conversation right there, I want to go back to one part. Well, I guess two points that you said earlier on is um, stabilizing the properties when you purchase them. Like what does stabilizing look like? Are you are you talking about more of having an emergency fund for said property or just enough for operations or?
1: Yeah. So you want to have a good reserve fund, of course. Right. And today most banks are going to require you to have reserves on the side to do repairs and things like that, that, you know, you need to have done. Um, But the other piece was we, we didn't get our arms around the management or around the rehab on it. You know, before I knew it, I had 2,000 units and, you know, a little bit of construction going on here and some rehab going on here and trying to get new tenants in place. You know, there was no systematic approach to it and um that caused the instability
0: got you okay then, yeah that that definitely makes sense so it, you were you were facing not only a property management point but then you needed some something going on with the rehab like someone actually being like a property manager dealing with with, with that as well like yeah all that going on simultaneously and then you're still acquiring more properties at the right. same time right Hopefully. right right <clears throat> i understand so now, now you're, you faced with the wire fraud. So what, what happens next? So
1: I lost everything, you know, family, uh, business employees, everybody around me. Um, I wound up, uh, I wound up in federal prison in 2013, uh, on a 10 year prison sentence. And Michael, frankly, I, I thought my life was over but then I was in prison for about uh, three weeks and then my wife divorced me and then my life was really over. Um, I honestly walked around every day wondering how I'd get through today, much less 10 years of that. And so, um, you know, Michael, I think we all have defining moments in our life where something happens and we realize, you know, the switch gets flipped and, and something changes. And and here's what I always tell people. I say, I never flew private. I didn't have a big boat. I didn't have a fancy house or a big car. Um, I was the neighborhood baseball coach. I was home every night for dinner. My wife and I had a great marriage. We were best friends. And I got ripped from that to live in a 12 by 12 room with three men I didn't know or like. And wondering, you know, what the hell happened? Uh, I'm in prison about six weeks and I walk into the gym one day. And um, this guy walks up to me and I had gone from running marathons to being 35 pounds overweight and hating myself. And he walks up to me and he goes, hey, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take from you everything you've ever known. They can take your business, your money, your real estate. They can destroy your family. But what they can't take is who you are and what you're made of. You can get this 10 years back. You can redesign your life. And I don't know, something clicked for me that day. And I, um, he said, come to the gym every day, start working out. And I did. I started going to the gym. I started losing weight. I started to feel better. I wound up going to college. Um, I got a bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books while I was gone. One is Exit Plan. You can see it behind me there. Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan. I'd love to give your listeners a copy of that. Uh, at the end of the show, um, yes, thank you. I, um, I was on an outreach program. I went into the community, told my story 40 times to small business owners and, and local college students. I wrote an ethics course. Uh, I taught real estate, investing property management and ethics in prison for six years. And then I, uh, met a professor from the University of Minnesota, and he and I co-authored a paper together that we had published in the Business Journal of Ethics last year, and it gets taught at the collegiate level today for forensic accounting and sales and marketing classes. Michael, today I'm home. I'm in the coaching and training business. I work with multifamily and real estate investors, helping them get into business, scale their business, and live a balanced quality lifestyle. recently have been approved by the sec to go back and sponsor deals Uh, just helped two of my coaching clients uh buy a 40-unit apartment uh complex that we're actively raising private capital on so it's like everything is circled back around
0: okay so so mike that's that's um i hear what you're saying so during that process when you were in prison it sounded like your mindset shifted because, like you said, you—that those first three weeks, they were tough. You know, you faced adversity, your wife left, and then, you know, just that one, just that one conversation from that, that random, I don't know if it was random or not, or you knew knew that person, but just that sparking some sort of fire in you. Like, I, I try to tell people every day because I don't know if you see it or not, there's people who will sit on the couch and say, well, I can't do this. Or they'll give, them, they'll give themselves every reason why they can't succeed instead of just getting up. I mean, did you ever, did you understand that part while you were dealing with that?
1: Yeah, you know, um, there's choices. We all have choices that we can make every day. There's a saying in prison that's actually, um, it says you can either do the time or let the time do you. And I think I made a decision to do the time myself. I started to do things that would uh, better me as a person and allow me to benefit other people as a direct result of, of those improvements. So that's why I'm I, I coach and train today. That's why I work with people and tell my story as much as I possibly can. You know, I want people to understand that your past doesn't need to define you. We all have choices and I had a choice in prison, right? I could have ate all day and slept all day, yeah. watched TV, or I could have, you know, improved myself and helped other guys. You know, I think one of the biggest impacts Michael was I remember a guy going home when uh, he went home a couple of years before I did. Um, he's a high ranking gang member and, um, had done a lot of time in prison. And he said to me the night before he went home, we were sitting um, having dinner together and he looked at me and he said, man, if I would have known I could have made this much money selling real estate, I would have never sold drugs. And, you know, that's when I really realized that I could have an impact in people through what I teach and how I coach and just by sharing my my story.
0: Definitely the the exposure, just being exposed to something that you've never been exposed to, definitely opens that the floodgates. So um, I want to go right into your redemption story like just your redemption of of, like you said, now you're now you're out of prison. I mean, what did that look like? I mean, from just having to start over, yeah. What did that look like?
1: (laughs) I was just I, I was just meeting with an investor and um you know, we had that, we were having this conversation. I said, look, man, when I went to prison, it was on iPhone two. I came home. It was 12, right? So that just shows you how much time went by. But there was a guy, he left prison one day and he handed me his number and he said, call me when you get out. And I looked at it and I go, what's this? He goes, oh, that's my Instagram address. I go, what's Instagram? He goes, oh, you'll figure it out when you get home, you know? Um, But you come home and, you know, the choices and decisions you have to make are are so much different. You know, in prison, you walk around every day and you see the same 500, 600 men. You know, Uh, you do the same thing every day. You're in this closed, confined place um, and you come home and, you know, here's one of the best examples I can give people. When you're in prison and you go to the store to buy shampoo, there's two choices. There's the the choice for the white guys and the choice for the black guys. It's really simple, you know. Um, but when you come home and you go to Walmart and you look at the shampoo at Walmart, there's 45 choices. How do you make a decision? You know, so um, today I actually run a prison ministry. Um, through church through the church i go to where where we actually help guys when they come home get on their feet and you know help them through that transition period because it took me a good six months to be able to go to the store by myself um to be able to be in a crowded place uh, to be around other people that you weren't familiar with always thinking you know uh, somebody's watching you or you know And what helped was was being able to tell my story more.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you that like that transition period of reintegrating yourself back into society. Um, I mean, I was in the military for a little bit and I was deployed to Afghanistan. And that was one of the things I faced with the same thing, like coming back and being around people. And I just, you know, I didn't want to be around people for a long time. It was very confusing for a lot of people around me. So I know that. You know that first six months yeah. year was something different.
1: Yeah. Hey, thanks for your service, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um what's the future for you? What does what does it look for Mike Morawski moving forward the next five, ten years from now?
1: Yeah. So um you know I want to impact as many people as I possibly can. I want to add value to their life, you know, whether I You know speak publicly or i'm on a podcast like this and could share my story where people can benefit from it um i want to help people understand to not let their past define them you know i was in a physical prison but i think there's a lot of people that are in mental prisons you know they're they're trapped by addiction abuse you know their past history and they don't allow themselves to move forward maybe because of fear or something that's happened and i want to help make an impact where people don't have to deal with that i want to teach people how to invest in real estate and to grow their business and take advantage of the opportunities that are in the marketplace and how to benefit themselves and leave a legacy for their family and um, i want to continue to uh, buy apartments and be back in that game and provide you know, one of one of my missions in the apartment business has always been to provide safe and secure housing. And here's why I say that, you know, I think that there's a lot of single parents out there. We all always talk about single moms, you know, and I think single moms are, are the hardest working people in the world, to be honest with you. I have a lot of respect for them, but uh, I think that, you know, even single dads. Right. And when they have a kid that comes home from school and they're still at work, they wanna know that when that door closes behind their kid, that their kid's getting into their place of residence safely, that they don't have a gangbanger chasing them or somebody trying to sell them drugs or guns and you know, trying to get them in a gang, um, That that's safe and secure housing. And that's the environment I try to build into the apartments that we own and the facilities that we manage.
0: Wow so mike i have two other questions for you because what you said really resonates with me um so if you could start over or just you know someone's brand new get into the game um what would you tell them on how to get going how to get started um you know can you break that down for me
1: yeah i think one of the things i would do is you know if i had to do it all over again i would have got a coach sooner i would got somebody to mentor me um and somebody even just to meet with them a couple of times a month to understand the dynamics and the principles behind it um learn how to underwrite uh early and understand how to buy build a buying criteria so this way now when you look at a deal and you look at a market you know that you're moving in the right direction so those are those are some of the early stage things i think people need to understand And the big thing, Michael, is stop procrastinating. Take action. You know, you have to execute. It's about the execution. It's not about the education. It's the execution piece.
0: Yes, those are phenomenal. I wrote those down. I'm not going to lie, Mike. I wrote those down. So I hope everybody else is writing that information down. And so I just want to ask you something. You know, this is off topic. What what books are you reading right now? What books um, do you suggest for real estate? Like, that's one big thing right now.
1: Yeah, so I'm writing two, I'm reading two books right now and I'm the kind of guy I like to read a couple, three different books at a time. But I'm reading a book called um, uh, How to Pitch Anything um, by Oren Keefe, I think his name is. And Orville Keefe or something like that. And, um, you know, it just talks about how to, how you sell your product, you know, how you work with people. And um, the other the other book I'm reading is Traction by uh, Gino Wickman. And um, that's about how to build a business, right? It's not about um, uh, real estate specifically. But if you're looking for a specific real estate book, here's, here's one of the best books I think ever written on real estate investing. And it's a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. It's written by Gary Keller. Uh, Gary Keller owns, uh, was a founder of uh, Keller Williams Real Estate. And um, that book has timeless principles in it. The, the principles in that book teach you how to invest in real estate, how to make money in real estate, how to operate real estate. And the principles are so profound, right? I used to uh, do seminars in my office when I was a, uh, a broker a real estate broker and i would bring people in and teach them the principles out of that book and that's how i raised money also was i I advertised in uh you know to to my database and built my database up over time to bring uh, investors in and i constantly brought new investors in teaching them how to invest in real estate the principles behind it and oh by the way there's a passive real estate investment that you can make a high teens return and get cash on cash along the way and some tax deferred income. So, um, you know, that's how I, how I built that business. So I really think that that's a really good book.
0: Well, I appreciate it, uh, Mike. I really do. You took the time out to come, come on the show. Um, the viewers appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for everything. Do um, do you have, um, your social media handles you can plug in or would you like me just to put it in the description box?
1: Yeah, you can, uh, you can put them in the description box, but uh, they can find me uh, either mycoreintentions.com is my website. And um, if you want my book exit plan, you can go to mycoreintentions.com forward slash free and download the um, ebook version or you can buy it on my website. If you're like me and you like to read a book and yeah, I'm an reader, I am highlighting in the margins and then I keep notes on it. <clears throat> you could uh, get a copy there also, but I'm, i I'm, I love social media. I'm on Instagram. That's where you and I met. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook under Mike Morowski dot, you know, Mike Mirowski. Um, And it's actually Mike dot Mirowski dot 54. And, uh, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to network with you. If I can add value to your world, you could email me directly at Mike at MyCoreIntentions.com. And any questions I can answer for anybody, I certainly will try and do that.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Mike. Thanks again for coming on.
1: You bet. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate you. Thank you.